Welcome to the Love Positivism podcast. I'm Shireen Oberg and I'm a yoga teacher and author devoted to the path of healing and heart-based living. And I want to help you to step into what you truly are and to your highest potential. On this podcast, I share with you tools and insights to help you move ever forward on your spiritual and healing path. With guests from all over the world, from different wisdom traditions, I wish to create a web of loving energy that permeates the whole world to create more love and peace. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for more guidance and love. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm really excited to record this episode today together with Diana Westley who you have heard before probably on the podcast but also to be back because I haven't recorded anything for a few months and it's been a journey of just inner uh, discovery healing a lot of different topics and we ended the year now so me and Diana really wanted to talk about the astrology for the upcoming year we've already entered the new year we had the first full moon of the year and we're coming up to a new moon so I'm really excited and welcome back Diana thank you thank you so much for having me on again um this is definitely a really big year we have ahead of us from a celestial perspective so I'm really thrilled to talk about the astrology with Sharon today and yeah, just share some of the the big things that we see going on. Yeah, and it's very special to to record because we also did like a big spiritual journey together, me and you. You came to Sweden. We did a pilgrimage to uh, southern England, to Cornwall and Glastonbury. And, and I feel like the trip also had a lot of initiations um, into our work and just opening up maybe new portals for us. So I feel like sharing now and and the things that are coming up is going to be really beautiful to, yeah, just share and then see what we can create from that. And the astrology is really powerful right now and for the upcoming months. So it's going to be really exciting to see how we can work with that as individuals, but also as a collective, where are we going? Um, also understanding maybe the different energy from 2022, which was really a lot happening uh, in the world and also for many of us like individually. So where do you want to start, Diana? Um, I'd love to start by talking about the new moon in Aquarius that's coming up this weekend on Saturday. Um, you know, there's a lot of astrology kind of happening around this new moon. Um, one thing is that Mercury is stationing direct. Um, so it's been retrograde and it's about to, to start moving forward again. But it takes a couple of days for um, it to regain kind of its normal motion forward, its normal momentum. And during that time, we say that a planet is stationed direct um, and tends to be kind of more impactful and more powerful than usual. Um, also, right around this 
new moon Uranus is stationing direct. Um, and part of why it's so significant um, to have both of these planets stationing direct right now with this new moon is that they're kicking off a phase of all of the planets being direct, or at least all of the major planets that we typically think about. Um, and that phase is going to last from um, the 23rd, 22nd, 23rd of January until the 21st of April when we have our next Mercury retrograde. Um, but basically between this new moon, between these planets stationing direct, um, we're really at this point of, of truly feeling like we can begin anew um, as we move into 2023. The first couple of weeks of the year, there have been, you know, fantastic shifts and awakenings. And, and you know, for some people, um, you know, they've felt energized by the energy of the new year. But for a lot of us, we were still kind of closing out some old cycles, closing out some old chapters as we prepared to begin something new. So, so again, this new moon that we have coming up this weekend, um, Mercury, our minds, our voices, stationing direct, kind of getting ready um, to, to give us this new perspective as we head into a new year, um, opening our mind, mindset shifts are happening right now, all kind of in pre preparation for um, some new beginnings. And then um, similarly, Uranus. Uranus is one of the ruling planets of this new moon in Aquarius. And to have it stationing direct as well, really bringing in change, um, you know, liberating our, our minds, our old consciousness, um, so that we can really invite in a new consciousness, a new awareness, um, kind of enter into this year more authentically ourselves um, and, and kind of, you know, um, yeah, just just invite in this this newer, truer version of ourselves as we enter into 2023. So again, lots of powerful energies happening this week, going into next week around this new moon. Um, and I'd like to share a little bit about the astrology of the new moon, but um, but I'd also love to hear Sharon's kind of impressions on some of these energetic shifts because I know she's been um, kind of watching this Uranus retrograde in particular and and kind of noticing some of the the energy around it mm, yeah I mean it's so powerful everything you share and that like I really like this thought about us being even more like authentic which means that we when I reflect now because I also just came back from a, a yoga education a yoga training an additional one and I we study a lot of Vedanta like the the yogic philosophies and uh, when we come back to ourselves authentically and and what is that because it's not about identification anymore with the things that we've identified before we talked about the uh, before we started recording we I talked about this a little bit with myself what we start identifying with we can even identify with our physical body we can identify with our thoughts with our jobs with um but it's always about like coming back to that root or that essence which is 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 not separate from anything else and it's like unchanging and when we are authentically that then most of the 
things that keep us um, boxed in or feeling limited in any way. It disappears because it's it's not the reality in that sense. So I really love that. And I really love that we are like working as a collective now to shift because it's happening whether we are aware of it or not and that we are just part of this big cycle that is shifting now and it's really um yeah it was felt with this uranus uh, like movement and um yeah so thank you for sharing that and i love what you said about kind of this um you know, Uranus does represent change, but you mentioned this kind of core part of ourselves that's unchanging. And since Uranus is in Taurus right now, and Taurus actually, you know, it has a lot of associations, but one of its, um, I'd say, kind of truest associations is with that inner self, that unchanging self, um, that place of inner calm and peace that we can access when we connect with our core our core values the core of who we are um you know taurus is also ruled by venus um, linked to our hearts um mm -hmm. and so so there is this um really interesting energy around uranus right now in particular while it's in taurus where it's not just about changing um you know kind of our relationship to the material world and our bodies that's definitely part of it since those are um you know taurian associations our, our relationship to the earth is changing and evolving right now as well yeah. um but a lot of it is kind of peeling back these layers um, of things that aren't us to access that core self, that unchanging self, reconnect with our truest core values. Um, so, so there is that really powerful aspect to having Uranus and Taurus, which it will continue to be all year. Um, but, but right now, while it's been retrograde, there's been even more of this emphasis on on that inner journey. Um, and and again, kind of mm -hmm. making these changes, these shifts, these awakenings on this internal level. Yeah. Um, and just exactly, I really resonate with that. And I'm thinking that uh, Uranus as a also collective force and it's been in this the a sign of the goddess mm -hmm. and the feminine connected to the body and we have been moving backwards as a collective when it comes to these matters and the values and the like the set things mm -hmm. that have been here for a long time so maybe like we hope that this last phase is like because it, its last phase has been extremely apparent in the world with what's happening in yeah. women's rights movement. Um, so we hope that like this Uranus breaks free from these old paradigms now, and especially in this sign and in in this cause. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because there have been, um, anytime Uranus is in the picture, we're looking at 
kind of some progressive movements of saying like, let's move into the future, let's make changes. Um, and also some, some kind of regressive movements, people who don't want change. Um, and so, so we definitely um, have seen some more like progressive movements of people saying, you know what, we're gonna fight for change no matter what, like we're, we're gonna risk it all to ensure that change happens um, and kind of like this equal resistance. But there have been some areas where um, I've noticed that change has kind of started to happen more easily. Um, one is in the world of like modeling and fashion. Um, when I was growing up, you couldn't find a model that wasn't stick thin. Um, but now it's it's becoming, um, you know, modeling is starting to reflect more of like the real person or, or at the very least, you know, some different body types than it used to, um, you know, reflect. And so when you go to, to purchase something, sometimes you can see like a pair of pants on someone who, again, is kind of like that stick thin model from the 90s. Um, but you also can see it on someone who might have more um, your own body type, you know, or, or kind of, um, you know, curvier body types, um, people who are tall, people who are shorter, you're seeing models that are older as well. Um, so it's not just people in like their early 20s or teens. Um, so, so I'm definitely starting to notice that, you know, there's this shift away from there being one beauty standard at the very least, um, one type of body that's that's kind of idealized into um, more of a celebration of lots of different body types. Um, so, so there are some shifts that are happening and, and I haven't Maybe there has been resistance to that in the fashion world, but since I'm not part of it, <laughs> um, I don't know. But but it's definitely, um, you know, we're starting to see kind of this rebellion and resistance against, um, you know, kind of confining the body at the very least to, to one norm, to one look. Um, so so that's been kind of cool to see. And, and I think that with your innocent Taurus, we're going to continue to see at the very least like that forward progress, um, but hopefully a lot more. <laughs> um, Very important. Yeah. Um, really quickly, coming back to this new moon, um, there are a couple of other planets and insignificant asteroids that are going to be involved in it. Um, one is that the new moon is going to be conjunct Pluto, um, and Pluto is in the late degrees of Capricorn. The new moon is going to be at one degree of Aquarius. Um, this is significant for a couple of reasons. One is that you know Pluto does represent this principle of endings and destruction. Um, there's an emphasis on you know kind of the the death of an old way of things and the birth of a new one. Um, since Pluto is closing out its time in Capricorn right now. It's actually going to enter Aquarius this year, and it will dance back and forth between the two signs, between Capricorn and Aquarius, for a little bit longer. Um, but there is this really big shift happening. Um, so when we think about kind of shadow Capricorn, um, this can look like you know, a small group of people in power kind of oppressing the masses or oppressing certain groups of people um, that they don't want to see empowered. Um, we also think of, you know, 
old kind of maybe outworn definitions around success, around, um, you know, people's value and, and things like that can come up. Um, old systems that, again, can kind of promote injustice or inequality. Um, and so when we see Pluto and Capricorn conjunct this new moon in Aquarius, we see again kind of this interesting balance between maybe some of the old shadow qualities of Capricorn, especially since Pluto rules the, the lunar south node. It has this link to the past right now. Um, kind of paired with this, this emphasis on the new, on these new beginnings, on, on the progressive side of Aquarius. And so, so I sense that this new moon, having this be the first one of the year, <laughs> is very reflective of what's to come. This is going to be a big year of kind of pushing forward and, and fighting for change, um, while again, maybe there's this continuation of um, some old power paradigms that, that we're, we're kind of starting to release and move away from. Um, but I do sense there is going to continue to be some resistance. But again, Pluto does give us this opportunity to allow old things that aren't working to be destroyed. So there is this quality of Pluto that says, okay, you know, this may be the last hurrah where we're holding on to some of these old systems and structures that promote inequality and justice and so on that keep certain people disenfranchised. Um, and, and all the rest of it. Um, but again, this new moon is saying time to move forward um, and, and maybe some old things are gonna have to fall away and fall apart in order for that to happen. Um, part of why this is also interesting and um, kind of the degree of this new moon and, and having Pluto there um, is that this new moon is happening right around the point of the great conjunction that we had um, a couple of years ago at the end of 2020. Um, and the great conjunction is the coming together of Jupiter and Saturn in the sky. Um, and we went through about a 200 year phase where the great conjunctions um, of Saturn and Jupiter were happening in Earth signs. And this recent great conjunction kind of kicked off this new hundred year cycle um, of the great conjunction happening in air signs. There's a whole bunch of really big shifts happening this year, including Pluto passing over that great conjunction point, entering Aquarius. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but Sedna is also um, going to be moving from an Earth sign from Taurus into Gemini and air sign. There's this really huge shift happening right now where Earth, um, kind of maybe our, our shadow experiences of Earth, um, again, you know, kind of shaming um, the human body or maybe the female body in particular, um, you know, kind of an unhealthy relationship to the material world, you know, excess in the material realm. Um, again, kind of this, this unhealthy um, relationship to power dynamics, um, which we see with, with Capricorn and, Pl and Pluto and Capricorn. Um, all of that is kind of getting ready to shift. Um, with air, we have kind of this broader dissemination of information. People who haven't been able to be educated in the past or, or you know, have free access to information to kind of allow them to awaken, to uplevel themselves, to grow, um, to think critically. All of that shifts when we start to bring more air into the picture. Um, you know, the way we think about communication changes, the 
our minds change in, in wild and drastic ways. You know, the way we think about, um, you know, differences changes because air holds more space for duality. It holds more space for difference, more space for diversity. Um, so, so, so much is, is kind of preparing to shift right now. And this new moon is, is really, really um, kind of a harbinger of, of that change that's coming. Um, a couple more things that are happening around the new moon and, and then, you know, we'll start to move into some of the other astrology for the year, but, but this is just such a big um, symbolic moment. Um, the new moon is also conjunct asteroids Magdalena, um, which is the asteroid named for Mary Magdalene, and Clotho, which is one of the three fates in Greco-Roman mythology. Um, and Clotho is associated with new beginnings. She was the fate that kind of wrote the, the story of a life. And so again, with Clotho, we're, we're kind of re-emphasizing this emphasis on this being a moment of new beginnings. This year, we're able to start writing this new story, Mercury stationing direct, all about writing a new story. Um, and this story, Mercury and Capricorn, Pluto and Capricorn, could be one that lasts a long time. So we want to think about, you know, what do we want the story of this year to look like? What do we want the story of our lives to look like going forward? What do we want the story of this planet, the collective, to look like? This is a really powerful moment to be thinking about those new beginnings, you know, um, and the sky's the limit when Aquarius is involved. Aquarius has this, this link to Uranus, this, this sky god. Um, so, so we can really, you know, embrace a, a, a radically and drastically new vision, and we're even encouraged to do that, um, one that's aligned with our authentic selves, and so on. Um, and then, of course, with Magdalena there, with Mary Magdalene in the mix, um, we can't help but think about this, this major epic shift that's happening around the way we see the feminine right now, the way we, we treat women. Um, Mary Magdalene, as kind of an archetype, she represents this um, kind of condemning of, of women. Um, and she was this very educated woman who was the first apostle. She was the teacher. Um, and yet she's she's been kind of denigrated and, and demeaned. And, and um, you know, back in the middle ages there was kind of this um you know shift in her reputation where she went from being the first apostle to being conflated with another mary in the bible and the scene as a prostitute which you know isn't the worst thing in the world but but if it's maybe not your true story um and and suddenly um it, the mary was kind of being um put down or mary magdalene in particular um and and you know, just seen in, in this untrue or false light for centuries. And that became part of our, our consciousness, this, um, as we call it, like the Madonna whore complex. Um, and, and so again, this, this whole, she became like this, this scapegoat for all of the, the anger and negativity felt toward women um, in kind of the greater Christian religion or, or Catholic church, maybe in particular, um, and, and was kind of condemned to this negative fate for quite some time. But recently there's been this um, kind of reawakening around Mary Magdalene um, back in like, I believe it was the 60s, and um, the Catholic church said, whoops, like, 
at some point in time someone made a mistake she wasn't actually a prostitute or we have no reason to believe that she was conflated with another mary in the bible um and a lot of people don't know that but but again this is this is all part of kind of restoring um you know the role of women in in one of kind of the major religions of the world um and so that that's a big part of this shift as well is you know what are these stories we've told about women about the feminine um there's a big time to restory women the feminine our experience of the feminine especially um in kind of this spiritual space or, or thinking about femininity in a spiritual way um one other quick note is that the new moon is going to make an exact opposition to Black Moon Lilith and True Lilith. Um, they're not always together. Black Moon Lilith is like the average of, of True Lilith and its movement. Um, but both of them are at one degree Leo, exactly opposing this new moon. Um, and Lilith, of course, brings this energy of equality. She demands equality, um, demands equality for herself and mutual empowerment, mutual equality for herself and anyone that she comes into contact with. Um, she really asks us to come back to the truth of our, our souls. Um, she speaks to us through our bodies and through our bodily wisdom. Um, there's something very raw and real about her that cuts through illusion um, and, and doesn't allow us to, again, kind of fall prey to, to false stories about the world, false stories about ourselves. She really wants us to get real, raw, and true with ourselves um so she is also part of this you know restoring um, and is reminding us to be honest <laughs> um to to cut out the stories that aren't true that, to cut out the stories that are disempowering to ourselves um and to write a new narrative that that really honors our our truth our equality our power and so on um so lots and lots of really powerful stuff happening um during and around this new moon and um and yeah just a, a really important moment to to kind of reflect on you know what you what you want this year to look like, what you want your life to look like, who you truly are, and how you can be more of that in this year ahead. So that's some of the big energy just kicking off the year. That's so powerful. And uh, <clears throat> the topics are really important around it. So I really love the way you frame it and that just these messages that you shared is something to like write down and meditate and see like how can this change occur within me and then like how is it changing within me so it can change in the uh, collective and it's I mean it's happening in one degree so it's really like a new fresh start for us and we can truly like begin a new cycle now because I mean the the year it's also like a made-up thing, right? The new year, but with this new moon, it really feels like a new, fresh start. Like we really need it. And with, yeah, just interested to hear how, like the planets shifting, how that can help. And and the, the yeah, of course, the eclipse seasons, will, which will also tie back to the old ones that already been 
it's uh, it's really interesting and how empowering it it can be now for for all of us to make that shift into a better balance between the feminine and masculine as well so thank you for sharing again of course yeah um and you know when we talk about some of these big planetary shifts um i mentioned that pluto is going to enter aquarius um it'll do so for the first time on march 24th and stay there through june 11th and then it's going to move back into capricorn for a little bit um for the rest of 2023 and we'll be kind of bouncing back and forth until late 2024 um but when you brought up gender equality just now, um, something that I recently learned, I've been reading this really fascinating book called Mythic Astrology by Ariel Gutman and Kenneth Johnson. And um, I didn't know that the Olympian ruler, um, kind of back in, in ancient Greece, the Olympian ruler of the sign Aquarius was actually the goddess Juno. Um, and Juno is the goddess associated with kind of harmonizing um, the masculine and feminine energies. She was the goddess of marriage. And so um, marriage is all about being able to, to take two different entities, two people who um, are different and, and balance and support one another, um, and to create some sort of creative synergy between those two people to create this this beautiful balance of mutual respect mutual empowerment and so on um and aquarius is a sign known for duality and its ability to hold space for duality um and so having juno kind of be this um you know, kind of co-co-ruler. Um, Saturn and Uranus are the, the rulers that we typically think of for Aquarius, but having Juno in the mix um, really does bring this reminder that if we want to be truly liberated from darkness, um, you know, that's kind of the, the archetype that we're working with, with Pluto um, in Aquarius. Pluto represents the underworld, it represents the darkness, the compulsions that we can get stuck in, but also our ability to re-empower ourselves by confronting our underworlds, making that descent, um, getting comfortable with the darkness and, and finding our power therein. Um, having Aquarius there. Aquarius wants to liberate us. He wants to awaken us to our unconscious minds, to these unconscious drivers, so that they don't motivate and move us from this compulsive, unconscious, maybe fear-based place, um, but but rather um, to, to recognize, you know, what's driving us, what's moving us, what's motivating us from that underworld, um, so that we can work with it in a more conscious way. Aquarius really just wants conscious it wants freedom, it wants liberation. Um, and so Juno in the mix says, you know, maybe the only way we can truly be liberated from the darkness, we can experience true liberation and true freedom, is to find this new balance between the genders, the new balance between the masculine and the feminine, um, kind of this, this divine marriage of these energies, first within ourselves, and um, then within the relationships in our lives, and, and ultimately within humanity at large. Um, and so that's going to be a really big energy that we're working with this year as Pluto enters Aquarius um, is this this ability to hold space for that duality and um, starting within ourselves. Um, 
I tend to think of of this this shift as also being um, a big movement from like power um, being held by a select few. Like power is kind of a zero sum game, which we can get into um, this like stuck space with um, when we have Pluto in an Earth sign, and particularly in Capricorn. Um, but when it moves into Aquarius, this is very much an energy of power to the people, of personal empowerment, and people reclaiming their personal power. Um, and some of that again, I sense, is going to be through education um, and and information. So an air sign. This is a, a sign. Um, Aquarius is an air sign and, and air signs are all about kind of the spread and, and movement of thoughts and information and ideas. Um, and certain people um, in parts of the world have been kind of blocked off um, from receiving um, true information. Um, and and you know accessing information in the way that that you know many of us um, are kind of used to at this point with the internet and um, things like that. There's been a lot of censorship in, in certain parts of the world, um, and even maybe kind of like unknown censorship um, in you know different countries that that some of us may live in. Um, but but I sense that Pluto and Aquarius is also going to kind of shift that so that information can can move and spread more easily so that people can get to the truth um, more easily as well. Um, and and yeah, and then education. You know, there's still a lot of people who can't access ed education either because of the cost of education, um, because it's difficult for them to get to, you know, the, the buildings or the institutions where education is, is being offered. Um, and, you know, some women and, and groups in different parts of the world like aren't really allowed to be educated or there are kind of a lot of um, barriers to, to getting a good education. So I really sense that Pluto moving into Aquarius, um, we're already starting to see some shifts around education with like a lot of it moving online during um, COVID and in the quarantine. I think there's going to be more and more changes that again make, make education more accessible to more people because as we know, like the dark ages were the dark ages because books were burned and destroyed. And there was this attempt to prevent people from learning, from knowing, from, from developing their minds, from awakening, from waking up that Aquarius energy. Um, because when people are educated, when they're able to think critically, when they're able to think for themselves, when they're empowered in their minds and their voices, they're a lot harder to control. And so a big part, again, of, of reclaiming this power um, is to reclaim the power of our minds, of our voices, um, to, to be educated, to, to have access to information and, and learning. Um, so th these are some of the, the really big shifts that I see coming, um, kind of starting with this new moon, um, continuing with Pluto moving into Capricorn, um, and so on. Um, yeah. Do you have any further thoughts or, or reflections on that, Sheeran? <laughs> I just feel like it's, uh, yeah, I mean, so many important themes, um, like you said, so we have like different levels of, of um, knowledge intake and on certain levels, it's, it's, yeah, it's felt, it felt like, so if, if we look at it as a collective, we have definitely been 
served different information and knowledge. And that's that's like, a, I, I love everything that you brought up also with Mary Magdalene and all that, because that's also like how information got distorted, right? And then like, what is the truth? Um, and now I was reflecting on this, like how are we moving into like oneness for like, in truth, we can do it now within ourselves, but how are we doing it in the world? It is through these access of like flow of information that we didn't have just 10 years ago or when we grew up, right? And it's so important that um, everything that you're sharing, it also gives hope that we are shifting into something that is like, again, we always, when we talk, we get back to this uh, balancing, like when something is unbalanced and for so long, we're not talking about a cycle of only a month or a year. We're talking about thousands of thousands of years of cycle. And within this, every year is a up and down shift. But I feel like everything that you shared for this year is so important and a reflection of everything that we saw last year so clearly like it hasn't been this clear maybe ever like how the world is but that's what needs sometimes to happen to let everything come up to the surface um so it's really interesting and uh, i'm really excited to see like this new energy of uh, pluto in aquarius and how that's gonna like move away from the this patriarchal systems and structures um yeah it's it's a lot a lot of interesting reflections how do you feel like this year what if you would think about one and especially with with the eclipses and all of those bigger shifts like what is something that you feel like here maybe a major pivotal point could be I mean everything is evolving but how do you feel like that looks like if there's one or two bigger things that we can like really consciously remember yeah um you know I'd say that that Pluto phase of, of having Pluto moving into Aquarius, like that's going to be a really big time to, to kind of notice because again, it's going to move back into Capricorn. Um, but from late March into early June, we're going to have kind of this, um, maybe this new clarity of what's to come that we can kind of hold on to um, as Pluto moves back into Capricorn and we have to kind of go back into this space of, of confronting the old, making some changes, um, both within ourselves and within society at large. So, so kind of paying attention to that phase and what comes up for you during that time. Um, interestingly, you know, Pluto is kind of a genderless planet um, and it's not, even though Pluto the god was, was um, you know, male in nature, um, Pluto is actually kind of seen as, as being quite feminine in certain ways. And I sense that part of that is that Pluto has a counterpart. He's got Persephone, um, the goddess of the underworld, the queen of the underworld. Um, and Persephone does do this, this annual dance between being in the underworld and, and being... Um, 
you know, in, in the world of the living with um, her mother, Ceres slash Demeter. Um, and so I sense that all of us are going to be kind of doing this dance with Persephone for a little while, um, where we really have to kind of, you know, go back into the darkness at times and, and um, you know, deal with some things that are, are difficult within ourselves, within society at large. It's it's not going to, you know, when Pluto enters Aquarius, it's not just going to be suddenly that everything is is um, new and different. And, and you know, we've, we've leapt forward into the future. There's going to be this back and forth. Um, and so again, kind of being prepared for that, that it's it's not just going to all happen at once and, and that it's going to require this, this, this back and forth movement between the underworld, the darkness, the challenge, the compulsion, the resistance, um, and, and kind of moving back into the light. Um, and you mentioned the eclipses, and um, those will be really interesting happening in late April and um, in early May, um, because we're about to prepare for this big nodal shift. Um, so the, the moon's north and south node, these, these um, kind of evolutionary points with the, the south node representing kind of the karmic past, the north node representing something that we're growing toward and evolving toward at this point in time, um, those are preparing to change signs. Um, and so on July 17th, the north node will move from Taurus to Aries, the south node will move from Scorpio to Libra, um, and the upcoming eclipses are kind of going to be once again this like harbinger of, of that change. Um, readying us for for this nodal shift um so the first eclipse in april is going to be um a total solar eclipse um a new moon total solar eclipse at the 29th degree of aries um and so again the eclipse in Aries is, is preparing us for this shift toward the north node in Aries. Um, then the following eclipse, a lunar eclipse um, in Scorpio, is going to be a full moon in Scorpio balanced by the sun in Taurus, kind of bringing us back to complete and round out some of the lessons of the north and south node in Taurus and Scorpio. Um, part of why it's interesting that we have this nodal flip happening this year, this nodal shift, is that the ruling planet of the north node in Taurus is Venus. One of the ruling planets of the south node in Scorpio is Mars, the traditional ruler. When the nodes change signs, the ruling planet of the north node in Aries is going to be Mars. The ruling planet of the south node in Venus, or sorry, the south node in Libra will be Venus. And so we're we're flipping the script. Um, so we've been really focusing on developing this Venus energy, rethinking this Mars energy. And now it's going to be how can we maximize this Mars energy and rethink how we work with Venus. Venus and Mars do have this association with the divine feminine and the divine masculine. So I really sense that this year, um, with the nodes changing sign, with again Pluto in Aquarius, and, and again I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Sedna and Gemini, but but all of these, these movements are saying how can we find better balance between the masculine and the feminine? Like this is really core to some of the big changes and shifts that are happening. Um, you know, even thinking about um yeah, just just the empowerment of all people. If we can't even 
allow, um, you know, both our masculine and feminine sides to be expressed in a healthy way without trying to hide or repress or disempower one part of, of or one end of that spectrum within ourselves, then, um, you know, how are we going to allow for for the empowerment of, of um, you know, other parts of, of ourselves, other people? So this, this integration, this um, rebalancing of, of the masculine and feminine is so key to a lot of the shifts and changes that we want to see. Um, and I think, again, this year with the eclipses happening um, along these two axes, Aries and Libra, um, Taurus and Scorpio, with this shift from the North Node in Taurus to the North Node in Aries, like we really are um, being asked to, to find a really new, healthy expression of, of the masculine and feminine. Um, and I'd even say with Sedna um, moving into Gemini on June 15th, she'll be there through um, the 22nd of November. Um, Gemini is another sign associated with um, duality, with holding space. Um, interestingly, again, in that book, Mythic Astrology, I learned that the Gemini twins aren't actually just Castor and Pollux, these male twins, but there was also Helen and Clytemnestra, um, another set of twins, female twins. So there's actually this you know, um, quaternity, this like fourfold symbol of wholeness that can only come with um, this balancing of the divine um, masculine and kind of the, the more earth-based masculine, Castor and Pollux, along with the divine feminine and kind of the more earth-based feminine, Helen and Clytemnestra. Um, so there really is this, this really big shift, this really big change happening this year in gender, the masculine, the feminine, it's so core to that. Um, and even kind of thinking beyond the spectrum of masculine and feminine, maybe there's a need to rethink that. So it's not so much about polarity and and more about quaternity, more about something beyond just, just seeing it as, as two ends of a spectrum where it can become really polarized. There's there's some really, really big shifts happening in that space this year. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if that fully answers your question, but, but these are some of the really big um, moments to be thinking about. And, and that theme of, of rebalancing the masculine, the feminine, rethinking the masculine, the feminine. I think it's going to be so core to, to the shifts and the changes that we're seeing this year. Mm. Yeah, that is so much important within ourselves that we, like everything that we're looking out there, it's first of all important to have an integration within us because if we look at it in again in the yogic way like there is only so something that can it's so abstract that we can't like think about it but just have so how do we move from duality to non-duality for example and uh, even we spoke about you know the depiction of of how how so I recently have been studying religious psychology and how we somehow have an innate drive, like a cognitive um, standard in our brain to like categorize and to 
often and as we see in, in religion and in all of these myths to to see uh, the divine also as as a human form and if we have been like really focused on the masculine depiction of it what happens then and for like thousands of years and now when i'm really studying more the history also like in all the history books it's um men that have been like driving the changes and creating the 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 foundations for these religions that we the the bigger uh, religions that we see today and but what has happened in the most like recent decade or decades like there is a hundred percent shift because all of the sudden everything that has been segregated into different forms and groups and like lineages are starting to merge because we're opening up our consciousness and what people call the new age it doesn't even have to be that it's an age of unity so we're rather embracing everything into one like our consciousness cannot anymore uh, be like a dogma or like one way or like just this and us and we our consciousness is not of course there are many individuals that are still on that level but moving forward no matter if we want it or not we are shifting so it's not even if we think that we are creating that change then we are actually not understanding the bigger shifts that are happening that we are part of because we're not just it's from without and within and it's a, a double thing so even just having that consciousness is a change in itself so when we start and i like the quaternity thought as well that we have been leaving out the fourth or the balance like you say like like uh, carl jung said as well the psychologist that even in the trinity there's one part that is missing so it can be the mother or like the divine feminine um or the devil the shadow so it's really interesting that there is so much focus on this when this is like on in on my mind for the past years and especially like really strongly now seeing that this change is needed on so many levels and it's happening uh, but maybe we can't see it and we're taking we feel like we're taking steps back when things are happening now we've seen a lot for the past year happen um but actually it's part of it that we that's the fuel to move forward because when we see like the injustices when we see the discrimination when we see everything the suppression and the oppression like everything then when that comes up to the surface just as when our emotions our inner depression our inner imbalances come up that's when we can face it and see it and that's when we can alchemize it so all of these energies and astrology just helps us to understand like the bigger cycles um it's not about um so it's happening out there and how can we tune in because uh, astrology can be one of our spiritual tools it's like a free guide for us to like 
align and tune in and make the most out of the energy. And we can see that when we've done our full moon and new moon rituals or with the wheel of the year, some, some shifts happen because we're tuning in. And as we're tuning in as a group, things happen within that constellation. So I'm really excited about, um, I just want to ask you about the North Node in Aries. And I'm sure that we will talk about the nodes further along when this when it, we come closer to that as well. <clears throat> I've been a little bit um, like wondering how, because we're moving into something that is so different from what we've had for the past like year and it will be like one year and a half what is what could be what are the opportunities with north node in areas but what is also like the challenge because to me like this very fiery masculine energy We've seen a lot when things are in Aries and and um, we had Mars retrograde, a lot of things happening around that time. I, I, I don't know what, what I'm thinking about, but how do, would you like describe that energy? Yeah, um, so I think that Aries is sometimes a misunderstood sign um because so taking a quick step back um there are these different rulerships um over time of the different signs and in olympian cosmology um at like ancient greek cosmology aries was actually ruled by Athena, who is a warrior but a warrior goddess um versus mars the god of war and so again when we're talking about this quaternity when we're talking about kind of opening our minds to seeing the masculine and feminine in new ways and moving away from maybe just a spectrum of the feminine representing one thing and the masculine representing one thing um aries also represents the the warrior goddess it, it represents um you know the side of the feminine that's that's ready to take action the side of the feminine that's strategic the side of the feminine that can enter into conflict in a very diplomatic way and drive change um through um both self-assertion and and asserting one's own rights or beliefs um but also through cooperation collaboration synergy um and so there is that side to aries as well um it's it's got a masculine and a feminine side um aries is all about kind of developing our courage to begin anew um so in aries aries is the first sign of the zodiac um it's a, a sign of rebirth of, of new beginnings um it's basically kind of taking the spirit this like this spiritual flame that exists within us rekindling that and allowing that to guide us and um, a lot of working with aries is about like trusting our gut um some might say and trusting our gut in a lot of ways is just trusting our, our spirit this inspiration that lives within us that wants to be 
made manifest in the world that that wants to drive us into inspired action um there's the spirit spiritual warrior and by spiritual warrior i don't mean um someone who's fighting um on behalf of religion you know we've seen that go terribly wrong <laughs> Um, but there is the spiritual warrior um, that's that's here to um, you know to to fight um, figuratively for peace, to fight figuratively for awakening, to fight figuratively for um, kind of the reintroduction of of the spirit um, into the world of of matter, um, where sometimes the spirit can get kind of. Um, you know, lost in in some of our more mundane concerns of survival and things like that. So again, there's there's a few different sides to Aries. Um, what's interesting is Taurus also has, you know, it's ruled by Venus, but it has an association with Hephaestus as well. And Hephaestus was a male god, a metalworking god, um, created beautiful um, pieces of of art. He was he was very creative and had kind of a more um, I guess, like sensitive side to him. He was actually the husband of Venus. Um, and and so with Hephaestus, um, kind of linked to Taurus, our current North Node, we're also working with this side of the masculine that's that's um, patient, that is creative. Um, maybe we're healing the side of the masculine that's been hurt by the feminine as well, because Venus kind of notoriously had affairs and wasn't very faithful to Hephaestus. <laughs> um, and similarly, when we move into the North Node in Aries, we're also healing the side of the feminine that was kind of hurt by the masculine. Um, Athena was born from her father Zeus slash Jupiter's head um, and, and kind of is um, in some ways made to be kind of a puppet of the patriarchy, kind of like reinforcing her father's rule um, because she has this really strong association with her father and, and less strong of association with women and her mother. Um, but for Athena, healing is remembering. Um, her mother, Metis, the original goddess of wisdom, um, was actually eaten by her father, Zeus slash Jupiter, because he hears this prophecy that he'll have a child with Metis who will overthrow him. So to prevent that, he eats Metis, not knowing she's already pregnant with Athena. So basically, Metis gives birth within Zeus, <laughs> and then Athena is born and, you know, grows up fully inside Zeus and then comes bursting out of his head. But she forgets. She forgets that she had a mother. Um, and so, so with that North Node in Aries, there's this um, healing happening around the feminine as we're all, as we're also kind of um, refining and developing and, and honing kind of like some of the more um, positive quotes or um, qualities that we typically think of as being masculine. Um, and just returning really quickly to Sedna, since I've mentioned her a few times, um, there is this, this interesting awakening that's happening that I think could really tie in strongly with this North Node moving into Aries, and especially kind of that um, journey I mentioned of kind of healing and remembering the mother. Um, so Sedna... Um, is the farthest known dwarf planet in our solar system. So she kind of represents the end or like the edge of our solar system, the edge of our current level of consciousness um, and what lies beyond that. So when we think about Sedna from like an archetypal perspective, she is epic 
leaps of, of consciousness, leaps forward um, into to new ways of being, new ways of thinking, um, new understandings, new awakenings, and so on. Um, in mythology, like so many other goddesses, um, she has this descent that she experiences. Um, basically, life is really not going so well for her. She has a, a husband who turns out to be um, someone other than they said they were. Um, when her father tries to rescue her from her husband, he comes after them. Her father pushes her off the side of the boat instead of continuing to rescue her. And when she's clinging to the boat, he chops her fingers off and she goes sinking to the bottom of the sea. Her fingers turn into all of the the sea mammals and um, she's an Inuit goddess so the sea mammals are like this life-giving source of food for the Inuit people um, and she becomes the great goddess of the sea um, so whenever Sednik comes up whenever a great goddess really comes up in general there's usually some sort of descent that we have to experience um, and with Aries this might be a descent into that wounded warrior that that part of ourselves that's um that's fearful where where our um you know, our courage is wounded, where our truth is wounded, where, um, you know, coming into the truth of who we are is, is difficult for us. Um, but she's asking us to, to make this, um, this descent in order to awaken to a new way of being. So she goes from being a mere mortal to becoming a great goddess when she releases her cling um, to this old way of life, this old level of consciousness. And so that's really a big energy we're working with when Sedna is in the picture. As she shifts into Gemini, like I mentioned, um, there is going to be this, this um, kind of new consciousness or, or this burgeoning consciousness around um you know, gender and in that kind of duality in the way that we've been thinking about it, um, around education, learning, communication, and so on. Um, and what's interesting is that she's also going to be reaching the closest point in her orbit um, in 2075. So she's on her way there right now. She has an 11,408 year orbit. So the fact that she's approaching her closest point um, in like the next 50 years is actually pretty significant. She's um, closer to Earth than she's been in a really long time and will be for, for a long time to come. So her archetype, her consciousness is really growing here right now. Um, and one of the things that, that I feel um, could happen with this um, Sedna entering Gemini is that language could become a really big thing um, that we start to evolve our consciousness around. And some of this, I don't know for sure, <laughs> not trying to predict the future, um, but some of this could be that we have a new wave of linguists born who can decipher previously undecipherable languages, maybe with the use of technology. This is an air sign. Um, this could be something like Linear A, the language of the goddess worshiping ancient Manilans, or the Proto-Elamite, the ancient language of modern-day Iran. There's so much wisdom. Again, Aries, Pallas Athena, this forgetting of the mother um, that existed before. There's so much wisdom that lies in the past. And we haven't uncovered all of that wisdom yet. So I almost get the sense that with um, 
Sedna moving into Gemini, then back into Taurus, that, that sign associated with the great goddess, Gemini, communication, new ways of understanding things, that this upcoming phase could also be a time where we start to uncover some of these really ancient mysteries linked to the goddess, to the great mother goddess. Um, and that could be a really big part of our healing journey with North Node and Aries, with that, that kind of co-rulership of Athena there. Um, and, and just with this balancing of the masculine and feminine in general, um, they're supposedly, you know, like the Minoans um, had this, this really big emphasis on kind of a goddess worshiping culture, but, but apparently they were very advanced technologically. They were, um, you know, a very peaceful people. They'd found some sort of really interesting harmony potentially between the genders as well from what we know of them. Um, so again, there's, there's this really interesting potential um, with Pluto moving into Aquarius and, and back into Capricorn. Capricorn represents kind of ancient cultures and, and ancient history, um, you know, with Sedna making these shifts and, and even with kind of the lunar nodes making these shifts, I, I sense that there could be the unearthing of, of something really old um, that, that could completely shift our consciousness in the future. Um, so no guarantees there. This is all completely just me hypothesizing based off of, um, you know, kind of what I've been learning about these planets and their archetypes and, and things like that. Um, but but I do think that that's something really, we're, we're on the precipice of something really big and, and fascinating. So stay tuned. <laughs> I love that. It really feels like that. And we will definitely follow up as the months go. And uh, we'll be um, coming back to the listeners with new offerings and new things. And we would love to hear from all of you as well. What, How are your thoughts of, about the new year? You can um, just connect with us on social media and uh, also what you would love to work with more with within your own practice and how uh, we can support you in that so i'm really excited and um, yeah i hope that this new moon opens up a new portal for all of us and for new things to uh, arise and for new innovations and new uh, just awarenesses and how we can move forward so um yeah i want to thank you so much diana do you have anything you want to uh, share as a last uh, thing no i just um i'm really grateful that you had me on again today grateful for all of the listeners who are tuning into this podcast and yeah i just you know Sharon mentioned earlier just kind of having to kind of hold out hope as we're moving back and forth between um, feeling like we're taking a few steps forward and a few steps back. Um, definitely hold on to that hope this year because change is coming. It's it's imminent. It's inevitable. It's the only constant, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, so kind of think about, you know, what what you'd like to see that change um, look like for you and, and what you'd like that change to help you manifest in your life um, as we're beginning this year with, with the new moon and, and all of that good stuff. And um, yeah, and I'm, thank you again. This has just been so much fun. And um, I love talking with you, Sharon. There's so many interesting thoughts and insights and ideas arise when we're together. So, um, so just thank you again. 
Thank you. And I always love to talk to you and listen to your wisdom. And I'm really excited to share this and for everything else that we're going to share this year. So thank you so much. And I hope that everyone uh, that has listened have something, a seed that can, they can take in to this year and to let it grow. And if you have any um, questions, you can connect with us. All of the links to both of us are in the show notes. If you want a personal reading from Diana, you can visit her website. And uh, yeah, you have all the links there. So I'm really grateful. Thank you so much, Diana. Thank you, Sharon.